This is Classical Reboot, progressive talks on Western classical music. Welcome everybody to Classical Reboot. I'm Austin. And I'm Matt. And today we're going to be talking about concert venues and more specifically, how does the concert venue itself affect how people perceive um, Western classical music? And I guess we'll just address the elephant in the room right up front. Um, obviously, COVID is happening, and this has made all performers, composers, artists in general really just stretch the boundaries of what we consider to be a concert uh, venue or artistic space, which in and of itself is kind of cool. And I think that there's going to be a lot of crossover for when we're, you know, we're, we're through with the pandemic and stuff like that. But what we want to talk about is when things are up and running in full capacity. So the big question is really, does the space where the music, specifically Western classical music, perform, where it's performed, does that change how people uh, perceive it? Does that change um, what they think about it? Um, We've had talks in the past about concert culture and things related to this, but I think we're going to dive into a bit more of a specific topic of, um, the, you know, the, the venue itself. So we're kind of have, this is gonna be a two part conversation and it's pretty simple of like, it doesn't change how people perceive it. And, um, it does change how people perceive it. So we'll guess we'll just start with the doesn't. Um, and I think a large point uh, and maybe the most obvious one to state is that the music is still the same, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The the music remains the same no matter where you're performing. <laughs> like, if you're playing a like a Beethoven string quartet, it really doesn't matter that much, right? If it's in the Konzerthaus in Vienna or my backyard. Like, yeah, it's the same music. Right, um, exactly. And like the only, yeah. um, I guess you could really, one could argue that it's, you know, the, the space might have a better like acoustic, um, you know, yeah. definition. Yeah, there's, or there's definitely acoustics to go with that. Like, right. I mean, a high school auditorium is worse than a professional concert venue. Of course. You know, or, of course. or like a bar has a different acoustic. Or but how much of like that, that, how much is that actually going to affect how people perceive the music? I don't think. I don't think it, I don't think it affects it a lot. Like, cause not a lot of people even like pick up on that. Right. Like, it's not like a huge thing. They might, uh, they might pick up on it, pick up on it, but not like, yeah, but not actively. Unless yeah. you're like a real like audiophile or, or like a real like nerd about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've definitely been to like, concerts and gyms mm-hmm. and like i like even my my dad who doesn't like you know play music or like listen to like or study like music in any way and he, he just like you know he goes to a lot of concerts because of me um <laughs> and when he goes into a gym he's like yeah it just sounds worse like he's been yeah. in the orchestra hall in minneapolis and the ordway in st paul he's like yeah it sounds worse but i think that's where he but just the mere, drops it. He's not like, he's like, yeah, it's like echoey. Right. Like, I mean, but that's like such a disparity. Sure. <laughs> like yeah. a gym versus that. Whereas like, he can't tell the difference between the Ordway and Orchestra Hall, for example. Sure. Or like even between those and like my high school's auditorium, which is like a fine place to play. Yeah. I mean, to, I mean, something uh, um, that I just kind of thought of is, 
I feel like pit musicians um, battle with this constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're playing in a very... Pits are weird. Unforgiving space. Maybe not unforgiving, but like... It doesn't. It doesn't compliment. <laughs> yeah, being a pit musician is just kind of like a different thing. Sure, it's just weird. Yeah, because like I don't know how many I, you've probably played in some pits. Oh, I've played it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have actually. Um, I probably have as much about as much pit experience as I do like orchestral experience. And yeah. what I experience, I mean, you're so when you're on stage performing for a group of people, the stage is complementing the the performance of the musicians on there. Um, when you're in the pit, um, you are certainly a um, secondary uh, yeah. in nature. Just so I yeah, know, I always, you know I've always doing. enjoyed pits just because I feel <laughs> like I'm removed from it and everyone's like watching me, so I kind of get to do whatever I want. Yeah, I mean, um, that was def- the great thing about like playing in a pit in high school. Sure, <laughs> sure, ups like, and downs. Yeah, yeah, doing know, just like letting yourself go. Um, yeah, but playing in a pit definitely has like a there, there's a shift in just like how you do stuff, I guess, which is kind of goes along with some of like the, if I may transition to like the, just a little bit of how it does affect sure things is like, I mean, just on a performer's end, like if you're in a pit versus on stage versus like in a different venue, like your mindset's going to be a little different. Sure. And like the music stays the same, but like your approach to it might, you know, shift yeah. a little. Cause like if I'm playing, in a more casual sense, in a more intimate um, uh, venue, mm-hmm. I feel different. And so, like, maybe, you know, I change things or I'm right. taking different I ways. mean, you're still not changing the music necessarily, no, but you're, no. you definitely might be interpreting it differently. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Right, yeah. right. And it's that whole, um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a great um composition experiment or style i guess you could call it um it's like a sound walk where if you were to walk the same route every day um you know day after day after day um you're you might perceive you might you might think it's going to be very different every day like you might think that because we think of the world so random um that's gonna be so different but actually you're probably only going to hear like a five to ten percent shift in like difference between like if you were to walk the same route because people have their daily routines they're going to yeah. do their thing and like you're going to hear like the same birds you're going to hear the same neighbor's dog barking whatever but also same cars same right business, exactly yeah. so you could also apply that same logic to um like a beethoven symphony there's yeah. going to be about a five to ten percent variance on like maybe not maybe not ten but like maybe a, like a five percent you know variance on like how it's performed because there's expression, there's dynamics. Yeah. Oh, this, this like horn player chipped a note here or like, you know, like just this is like a different conductor than usual. Right. Like, like, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think what I, what I was talking about is anything more than like, like you said, a 5% type difference. Sure. It's like, it's subtle. Right. If you know the piece well and you know the group well, right. You might see it. But well, I, and that, that's definitely a sign of like a very like um, advanced or like mature musician that like is able to adapt to a different space. You know, I think there's an amount of it's just it. unconscious, though. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like it, I don't know when when I play in certain spaces for, if I play for different audiences, I, I play slightly differently, just like out of instinct. I think like okay. it's just not. 
there there are intentional choices sometimes, but like sure, sure. in orchestra, I don't think it changes in orchestra. In orchestra, I'm always kind of flippant. Um, <laughs> well, it definitely not, not from, always the best thing from the performer's perspective. It definitely um, affects how you listen um, to your other people you're playing with. You know, yeah, um, you know, large spaces are inherently harder to you know hear individual people, whereas small work small spaces are. You know, yeah, you can intimate. feel more comfortable right. in, in, in like how you're hearing each other. That's that's a that's an interesting point. Also, like when it, if you ever gone on tour with an orchestra, you kind of know what I'm going to talk about is like just sitting on a different stage <laughs> is is different because you yeah. hear different things, yeah. which is just weird. Totally, it's slightly off putting. Like I remember, uh, I've, I've I've only performed once in uh, Chicago Symphony's Orchestra Hall. Um, and I just remember it being very isolating. Yeah. Like I could only hear myself. Sure. And it was just very off. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was weird because it used to be, yeah. Like life. everything else was muffled or like out of place. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that's not helping. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe if I was like used to rehearsing the space, it would, but we did not rehearse there because we are not right. the Chicago symphony. So I think another interesting aspect kind of in the category of that, it, it doesn't really affect um, the way classical music or Western classical music is performed or perceived rather is because it doesn't really matter. I, I, my take on it, it doesn't really matter where you're performing it. People still, there's, there's such a, um, culture around the music where you have to remain quiet during it. And that, I, I don't think that'll go away regardless of where you like perform it or where you, um, present the music it, and it depends on the aesthetic like i feel like new music allows for well i i guess even then there's new music that like requires like hyper intensive listening yeah but that's the purpose of it is to like lose yourself in like these like like very um like these sound macrocosmoses um and then there's like other like new music that's a lot more like noisy that i think could exist in like uh more of like an art gallery kind of style where people yeah, would be like yeah, whispering sure. amongst themselves. But even then, like I said, whispering, like there's it's still not this... full. It's not like conversation. Like we're having, like you're not doing that type of a right. thing. I, I think it's, I, I don't think you're really going to have like Western art music, like in that category of fully background music where people are just talking. Right. Um, unless it's something like a gala where like, I was literally just, just about to say, <laughs> yeah, but like, that's like, that, that's hardly a performance. Like I've done those gigs yep. and you're not performing. Hey man, you're getting paid well though. Oh, I love the pay. But, like <laughs> the least work I've ever put forth to get money yeah. is those. And like, they're great yeah. for that reason, but like no one's listening. It's just like, you're playing like literally classic era pieces yep. as background music for people to feel fancy yep. it's nothing more than that and i don't think that really falls into what we're talking about and like a change of venue for like an actual concert of right. this stuff right like the art gallery example is interesting though because i think that's a that's a great it's a bridge that's it yeah it's a, well like if you were in an art museum you don't talk with your full voice. Like, just in general. Like, mm-hmm. if you're in that kind of a setting, mm-hmm. you probably talk a little softer. Like, if you have a friend there, you're like, oh, look, look at this. Like, you're right. a little more quiet and reserved just out of respect of everybody around you. Right. Like, they're doing their own thing. Like, they're looking at stuff being in their own world. And I think that's kind of the place that Western art music could get to with, like, sure that 
Totally, where it's... Well, and we've talked about this where it's more like salon style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the jazz thing, too. Right. Cut. (laughs) No, we just wanted to. You're doing great. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, jazz is a very interesting example because... Jazz was was originally um, dance music, and it didn't really get to the concert hall until, um, I mean, Duke Ellington was the first one to kind of bring it there with his concert series at Carnegie. And then um, we don't really know. (laughs) The history of bebop is kind of a mystery because there's no recordings of it because it wasn't popular music. It all happened, like, in bars and underground. So jazz is That's also just a big thing with jazz as it evolves sure like splinters like i i but what i what i want to i guess what i want to get to is i feel like modern i I feel like jazz had an inverted um um audience etiquette um thing happen with it because it started as dance music where people were you know dancing and and now people go to jazz like really high-end jazz clubs to hear like really intimate performances of like some of the best improvisers in the world. And they're all just sitting down and it's very like classical musicals, like Western art right. music style. You might hear a bar in the background. You might hear, you know, there's, there's some stuff. There's ambient noise, but it's not, there, there's more ambient noise than like in a concert hall. Yeah. But like, it's definitely, uh, there's not really conversation unless it's to order a drink or do something like that. Because right. a lot of people are listening and then they'll clap for a solo, you know, like right. that kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, yep. But outside of that, I think, I mean, I, I don't go to high end places. I'm not a <laughs> high end human, but you'll uh, get there. We believe in you. I don't know. I'd rather just be in a dive bar. Man. I, I'm not heard sure that. I want to be there. Heard that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> drinks are too expensive at those places, man. Go really support do. your local dive bars after this pandemic. They need you more than, yeah. I mean, every service industry place needs you after this. If you can afford it, do it. (laughs) If if you can't, I understand. I can't either. Um, But the jazz comparison is also just like, it's just so interesting too, because you have like classical music, you have these like um, elements from um, the, 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 the idea of like the quiet concert attender um, seep into like even more casual um, performances of it and then much like that you have this idea of jazz being performed in like more of like a club bar setting being transferred into like a modern context of like it's just elements of that I don't know they both yeah. they both carry like baggage yeah you know yeah I mean that's that's the big thing with <laughs> Western art music that we always talk about is there's a lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think the like the interesting thing is that yeah, no matter what setting you put it in, people feel like they have to treat it the same. Right. And so, like you said earlier at the beginning of like this part of the conversation, like nothing really ends up changing then. Like right. if you treat it the same nothing can change right and that's the uh that's kind of the interesting thing and and what i what i enjoy about going somewhere you can hear something a bit more in that like semi-passive 
way. Yeah. Like the art gallery type thing that you brought up. I mm-hmm. think that that's going to be something. But I think there's I, an expected amount of like come and go with that. Which yeah. I don't think, I think that could also be done in more of like, and we talked about the the salon style. Yeah. And actually, that's what a lot of this music was originally written for. Was like There's a, a good amount of it. A, yeah. Like a lot of solo piano works, a lot of vocal, a shit ton of vocal works were salon music. was salon music, yeah. you know. Um, and it, so it's, I don't think it's not, I think it can go back to that style. It's just like there's, again, baggage. And so maybe we can... Um, transition more onto the side of it it actually yeah yeah it could it what could. actually changes because living being in being in the scene specifically in chicago and i know this is going on in a lot of other major you know um cities in the united states and even around the world i'm sure but um you begin to see a lot of concerts um in quote-unquote unconventional places yeah which is cool you know it's great. It's enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. There, it's also fun to go to, like, as somebody who consistently performs in conventional spaces, um, it's really fun to go somewhere else. Sure. For me, at least, I I assume it's nice for audiences to have a, a change <laughs> of pace because I fall asleep in a lot of traditional <laughs> concert venues. It's been known to happen on many an occasion. <laughs> but not... <laughs> But not only, but not only, yeah, it, it changes it for the audience, but it also might change the audience yeah, uh, as yeah, well. Yeah, you get a I different mean, group through the door. Because if you, I mean, you might have, let's say you have a, a chamber group that's performing at a bar, and then you have your regulars at the bar that didn't know this was going to happen, and then there you go, you have like five new yeah. listeners that, they'll probably bitch about it, like they're probably not going to be happy well, they're about regulars, it. they're never happy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's very true. Please. Unless you're comping them drinks. They, they yeah. have a bone to pick with yeah, you. Yeah, this is true. Um, <laughs> we both worked in bars. Um, because we're musicians. It's generally how that goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, perform, like performing in that type of a setting or like... I mean, even you, more like casual outdoor settings yeah, are, are interesting yeah. to me. Um, obviously season... And is location dependent on right, those, but right. those can be kind of, those can be enjoyable too. I mean, what bring you're in, like you you get like people walking by, yeah, like yeah. you just get like passers by, and sure. you might not maintain their attention for like an hour. You but almost, you might yeah. catch them for ten to fifteen right. minutes, and it might spark something in them to be like, oh, you know, I really liked that like concert I ran into or passed sure. by, and then like inspire them to look into other things related to. To classical music, which right. is, I, I think, that's also a big goal of any concert in a non-traditional setting is to find people who don't usually listen to classical right. music and be like, "Hey, here's the maybe stuff. you like it." Well, and it's like um, what it's doing. I mean, it's it's removing it from like its original aesthetic, which um, I guess though the music hasn't changed. I think that that might give it a different light, you know, in and of itself. But well, yeah, you, you change the the um, context. Dog, uh, yeah, context dogma around it, like the yeah, yeah. You, you just you, you change that and you, accessibility. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, accessibility. Yeah, um, I mean, what, and you're essentially like in the example that you like brought up of just like it's like having a pop up. Um, like art gallery or like a pop-up like or a food truck yeah yeah kind of like 
And you're, you almost want to bridge that gap of like, um, street performer and like concert, which yeah. like, I don't even think that that would be a bad thing to, to do. Like, you know, no, no, I, you, you basically just go busking as like a yeah. quartet or something, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept yeah. to, to yep. do that. I mean, you can make a decent amount busking, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's kind of funny. Like if you, uh, there are stories of like, I think there's a story in the, the Washington post covered this where like, I think it was Joshua Bell. Oh, went yeah. into the, went into the DC subway oh, and just yeah. like played Bach mm-hmm. for like a couple hours or something. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's just funny. Cause like nobody knew. No, no one knew. I mean, yeah. he like, I think he got some money in a hat or something, but I mean yeah. like no one's stopping and being like, look, it's Joshua Bell because like right. he's famous to us, but he's not <laughs> also <laughs> to the broader public. Joshua Bell is super canceled because oh. he's very predatory towards young oh, musicians. Well, I mean a lot of a lot of the, we have a lot yeah. that's 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 that's, that's, a, that's a that's a topic. That's a topic that we can discuss at a later time. We but, should we should get uh there are a couple of people I have in mind that we could get on yeah. to, to talk about that. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of that in there's conservatories a too. Just all yeah, over the place. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the yeah. conservatories is especially. Also, like, uh, people just generally in power in orchestras. Mm-hmm. Like, in major orchestras, mm-hmm. um, concert masters are known to be problematic. Yep. Um, so, anyway. Well, actually, more people might stop by Joshua Bell now <laughs> than they did then, because that was way pre, yeah. pre those allegations coming out, I think. But, uh, yeah, generally it's... Uh, like I mean, people don't know who you are when you play this music. Right. Like it's not the most popular form. Of music. Well, right, and we've talked about this. Like it's not, it's not our current society's like most relatable format of music. So yeah. like, if you're walking past someone playing like a Bach partita or whatever, you might think, oh, that's nice, but you're probably not going to like have a much of a second thought. Honestly, I don't even know if I would have much of a second thought about it because, like, I'm most of the time if I'm traveling, I'm public in Chicago. I have my headphones in, or I'm well, yeah. I mean, that's or I'm the, on, I need to. I'm usually running late. You're going so that's, yeah, that's the thing. Is like you played in a subway. It's like obviously no one's gonna stop. They're all going somewhere. Right, right. They're, like if you played in a park, right, people would actually maybe stop. And like I don't know. I've uh, I've I've always seen more busking. Of like instrumentalists in Europe than I have in the U.S. Like sure. for like, out, like for less like street performing stuff and more like, oh, that person's like a classical musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that is, but I mean, there like you see a lot of like that just might be a cultural thing. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, that I, is interesting. I, though. I, yeah, I, um, I but like s- it's just I I don't stop for them. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm just like oh that person's playing like something. I'm like. Oh, that sounds like this. And I'm like, cool. I saw it a shit ton when I was in Venice, but I honestly yeah. wonder if like they probably all know each other, and I wonder if it's like a community of like buskers that like. I honestly wonder if it's like a business <laughs> that they run. I think it is. There's. I remember in Italy, there especially being, big tourist places like you know. Yeah, I remember in like Florence and uh, Venice, especially. I mm-hmm. saw. Like, people just, like, playing music, and I was like, oh, you're just, like... And it looked, like, semi, like, semi-professional, mm-hmm. not, like, just busking mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's speculative. A really... F- on our- yeah, a really, a really funny <laughs> busking story is I was in New York um, in undergrad, and we got off the subway, and there's a saxophone player, 
and he was playing the Sibelius Violin Concerto on a saxophone. <laughs> but the killer was, and my friend who's a violinist that was with me has, I guess, perfect pitch, but she was like, it's in the wrong key. So he was just reading... Like the oh, he was just reading <laughs> just it. just from the sheet music, like not <laughs> not transposed or anything, and like it's not that funny, but it's kind of funny. Like for like no one would know that except for like a trained violinist who like knows the piece very well and can just be like that doesn't sound right. That's off that's by that's a off. <laughs> by a this interval or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, that that is funny. I wouldn't call it wrong though. I mean, it's, like, if he's playing it by himself, then like whatever. You know? It's just, <laughs> but it is. It's you know, it's not the original key. It's not that I was... correct. <laughs> you can argue it's not wrong, but I don't think it's correct. <laughs> um, moving on, <laughs> because I really don't care that much about that. Um, an interesting thing that we've got on here is kind of like staging. Yeah. That we yeah. talked about before this. Totally, like, totally. The idea of like changing the stage setting from like like if you're in a bar or like a cafe or something, like even being like not on a raised platform like in a concert hall yeah. or being more in an interactive space, being in the round, being on the same level as everybody. Yeah. Um which I, is yeah. similar to like the pit thing where like the pit is below, which kind of just changes mm-hmm. I think less so the audience's perception of things and more so the performer's perception of things is just like out of sight, out of mind. Right. Like with the audience. And that's why pits are like so much fun for me because I just like feel like I'm not performing. I'm like genuinely kind of curious about the like um, the acoustic math and science behind pits because like you go to places like the Lyric or the Met or whatever and the orchestra sounds like it's on the stage. And it's yeah, like, and it's like, that, how do they do that? You know, uh, like, because those pits are massive. I mean, true. Yeah. Like the those. It's like a second stage, basically. Yeah, they're huge, and they come out so far. Right. Um, right. Also, like, haven't been to the Met, but the lyric is well. I mean, I'm sure the Met has a very acoustically fine building as well. Yeah. Um, I know the lyric is is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that is I don't know how often you've gone to the Minnesota Opera. Oh, which or plays twice, in, the, yeah. in the Ordway. Yeah, the Ordway, right. Yeah. Yeah, they play in the Ordway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that place isn't... It has a pit. It has a, a, a good pit. And it's a good hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily designed for that initially. Okay. It's more of like a... It does a lot of musical theater. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. Yep. Um, and yep. so the... I think that place has a just a slightly harder time of throwing the orchestra sound out. Yeah. But still sounds great in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, actually, speaking of interesting stagings, they played, I'm, I'm just thinking of this now, they played uh, Strauss's Electra, mm. and they had the orchestra on stage and, like, doing... Oh, interesting. Doing all that. And, yeah. and so, I mean, like, the orchestra was kind of a character yeah. in the opera. Yeah. Just, like, I mean... As much as it can be. Yeah, I mean, and also just, like, yeah interesting staging yeah for sure i didn't see it but my parents told me about it because they went and they were like mm-hmm. yeah it was kind of cool yeah the i've always been a proponent of like unconventional um seating i like constellation because you mm. can sit there's basically like i don't know how to describe this for the listeners <laughs> there's the, the state- audience is in the middle uh no, no right. yeah, Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> no, no, not quite. No, but the stage is surrounded by like three 
um, sections of seats, basically. So you have like, and then the, oh, the like, stage yeah. is like an open floor. So it is basically like in the round, or it's like yeah. it's like a giant thrust stage, except it's not even a stage. It's just like is in the middle, and then like it's like an arena. There you go. It's like it's like it's like a mini basketball court with only three sides. There it is, folks. Matt is dying over here, but it's I, fine. I can't. <laughs> um. Great, great description. But that, but it's cool because you get a lot of um, really unique performances in there. And sometimes, like if you have a break, you can decide like, oh, I want to be on like this side of the stage to, yeah. so I can like watch this person or like what you know like. Um, but it also, I think that allows for the performers. Um, albeit most of the music that's performed in this venue is contemporary new, so it's it's usually has this in mind. I think a lot of new music has um, the the performative nature of it in mind and more of like the staging and stuff like that but it allows the performers to be like oh okay so i can interact with the audience here here and here how can we do that in kind of a cool way yeah and how can we like get the audience in on it and like right you you like hey like you can like do different things with this to like get a different experience right right yeah that's interesting it's a yeah there's a certain there's kind of a certain amount of like with new music where like you're getting like, in what we're talking about, you're getting, like, kind of a quasi-performance art aspect out yeah, of it. Yeah. Not fully performance art, but, right. like, you're taking some of those techniques and trying to manufacture something that, like, comes across differently than if it was viewed in a traditional setting. Right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's a big part of new music, and I think one of the more exciting aspects of it where you can have like that yeah that new music is music is doing that you really don't get with anything else yeah you um you get off stage stuff i mean yeah i, I want to say berlioz was probably the first one with symphony fantastic did it verity did it they're like same time though weren't they yeah Abu. no i'm just thinking like verity did it i want to say rossini has something with he it. has some oh um duh uh no isn't the um <laughs> in um what fucking mozart with the with the um uh glockenspiel or something the the magic glockenspiel isn't the that flute, is magic that magic flute <laughs> Well, no, but there's a there's also a magic. You just said you just said magic glockenspiel, and I was like, do you mean the magic? No, I I could be totally. But anyway, I'm pretty sure there's some. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's been (laughs) thought of before the whole performative thing, but that's that's a little little bit more on the nose, I would say. Where um, performance art music, it's it's used in opera a good amount to have like an offstage like trumpet call, right? Like that's like that's definitely a thing. Yeah, I mean like those. Those types of things. I think doing like a full, like having like a full blown thing where you have, oh, um, Respighi did it with uh, Pines of Rome. Yes. Sure did. Yeah. Um, that that's also, a really cool effect. He also, also uses, uh, yeah, Bird Call's first recording. Yep. Is the first uh, piece to ever use electronics in it officially, yeah. which is yeah. kind of an interesting thing, actually. Yeah. I remember yeah. playing that in my undergrad in the, uh, conductor queuing for that <laughs> and um it not always being caught oh no <laughs> and it, he was always doing like a very clear like thing was it done by like a sound person yeah it was oh sound no it's just like <laughs> give it to the perc- that's what we always the i performed it two well, just times. like in the in the studio like you, or in the concert hall like you couldn't like it 
oh, you couldn't have like done that to like get it to come through. Okay. The the speakers and stuff like Got it's it. just because there's it. a sound booth. Yeah. And it's way up at the back where sound booths are. Right. <laughs> we gave it to. Um, I actually helped to rig this up. We basically used like a like a launch pad thing to um, uh, like you know like a sampler like a sampler yeah. to like trigger it. And then um, we gave it to the celeste player um, because in the score the celeste players never playing at the same time as that, and they are also back there already with like they we used a keyboard because we didn't have a real celeste because mm-hmm. community orchestras are not that rich. Um, no, no, <laughs> you, no, they are not. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that was I don't know. Anyway, moving on. The whole idea of just you know yeah, giving the performers that. Flexibility, I think, is a really, um, it's just a good thing to do because what you do then is you, you give them the opportunity to present the music away from the original aesthetic and in a more possibly accessible way. Yeah. And, and like you've mentioned already, sometimes it's maybe more in line with the original aesthetic. Sure. And, you know, also like a lot of, a lot of this music that we're talking about is, classical romantic music you know like uh, that's that's couched in like this aesthetic and the funny thing is is that it doesn't run into this problem until the 20th century right (laughs) there's this huge amount of and also the same aspect of like what we're talking about with concert etiquette well that stuff isn't like really like put into place right with like the sit quiet lights dimmed like watch the stage only clap at certain times like hyper um structured right doesn't come into play until the 20th century and then it becomes super like part of the experience and the way that it's done and it's just like taught that way for a hundred years well it's it's really interesting that we have and that you mentioned the 20th century and then in the 20th century we also have the rise of um experimental electronic music which sits within the aesthetic of western art music yeah and then now we have dissonance because you have this medium that doesn't necessarily always have performers. So how do you present it? And so there's always this interesting thing of like, it's so interesting to me whenever there's um, electronic, like fixed media electronic works presented at concerts that people are sitting down at. It yeah. feels weird. Well, it's like at a composition concert. Right. <laughs> when you go to someone's composition concert and like there's an, all electronic piece yeah and you're just sitting there and you're just like listening to speakers and you're like this is cool but you feel weird like yeah, you're just like yeah. this yep. is a cool piece but this doesn't feel like how i should be enjoying right this. right and i that's, feel like i should I be walking like, through like a space or i should be something should be happening yeah. i should be able to do something right this. right so like, exactly you know, like and and i think the uh the funny thing is that like right around the time that like this stuff gets kind of like stipulated and broken down and kind of like created into the like codified codified yeah when it becomes codified like these etiquette principles yeah yeah. like it's right around that that then we start getting all this experimental stuff sure there's like this railing against that that i mean yeah yeah absolutely um, yeah like i mean definitely we've we've talked about this a lot off off air about like Steve Reich and like Lamont Young yeah. and Terry Riley and these people Cage who are like, and yeah, yeah Cage and like these guys. people who are experimental yeah. and like yeah I'm like Shut Lamont up, Young like I'm gonna release a butterfly into the concert hall right. and until the butterfly leaves the piece is happening it's like <laughs> it's like it's super esoteric and metaphysical and I love it 
Yeah. But it's definitely like something where you're like, in that situation, the audience can interact and do things. In a way, because they're watching this thing. They're watching this thing. Yeah. And like also part of that piece is like everything that happens during this is music. Right. And so I don't think Lamont Young would have a huge issue if like you were to be like, hey, Austin, what do you think about this? Like right. if I were to just be like, hey. And right. like you started having that discussion about it while it's going on. Right. That, and of course that becomes super meta. That it always, like you're talking about the piece that's happening right. Like, right. Right. It always makes me wonder about the performance practice of 433. And it's like, should the audience members talk? Is it acceptable for them to talk? I think it's acceptable now. The beauty of 433 when it premiered was just like the shock. Not the, the shock. shock. I guess. Yeah. The shock. It is shock. Because people saw a pianist walk up on stage and they expected something and nothing and not just any pianist david tudor yeah who was like this huge (laughs) soloist at the time like one of the bigger like soloists and proponents of new works yeah and so you see like john cage david tudor people buy tickets for this concert (laughs) like it's like a big social event and he just walks out click on the stopwatch (laughs) sits down and nothing like I mean you're never gonna like quite get that same right reaction from that piece ever again right I I want to do that piece as an encore <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just like finish playing finger. like a Dvorak cello concerto 45 minutes of just like sweating yeah and then just come out and like instead of playing Bach or something as an encore just click <laughs> <laughs> Four minutes, 33 seconds of <laughs> me just Could sitting there relieved. I think you should, I think you should start playing, um, some really weird shit for like an encore, like Kaya Sariajo's like cello solos, <laughs> like some like, like equally Set as difficult, yeah, like, like equally as difficult. Like, like you'll, you'll probably have to like study this piece more than you're the concerto you just played, but it's fine. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, but yeah, the. Yeah, like I feel like with four thirty three though, like now, yeah, it would be perfectly acceptable to talk during it. Sure, in my mind, just because I'm like, we all know what's coming. Yeah, so we might as well chat do about the it. thing. Yeah, like, like it you is, add a layer. You add a layer if you're talking about four thirty three while you're quote unquote playing it. Yeah, because you are playing it yeah. if you're in the audience. That's like a part of the idea of that piece is that everything that happens, the audience members make the music coughing, moving, shuffling, the uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that Cage's philosophies and, and music, the, I don't think that the, um, philosophy behind it ever really gets stale. It, it really, it, it always has room to evolve with like a modern context. Yeah. It's a, it, well, because it's, uh, at its, at its core, it's a, it's a Zen Buddhist concept. Sure. Sure this entire concert is the art event. It's not just the music or just the score or the performer. Like it's a holistic approach to these things. It's an idealist approach and that like everything around this surrounding this is the music. And so that has to be taken in. And that's kind of the whole point of 433. Right. Um, Right. I feel like we're getting a little, (laughs) well, I mean, we're getting a little off track, a little off track, but I mean the, like the idea that, I think that maybe what the route that we're getting to here is that um, by changing up the concert venue and by um, giving the you, you by changing the concert venue and the aesthetic, you give the performers um, 
agency? Yes, thank you. You know, should have said it with more confidence. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, you you really agency. Give, yeah, you give the the performers more agency and like what they're able to do, what what they want to do, how they want to deliver this work, and then and and in that light, it might come across as more relevant in a modern context. And and hopefully, you know, I, I think that would be like the hopeful outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the outcome people should shoot for. Absolutely. Like I, I. Um, all for playing you know old works and but you know not just like we we really don't have to play the beethoven string quartets the same way the alban Berg quartet did right they did a great job right their recordings of the late string quartets by beethoven are seminal i mean mm-hmm. those are like that's a great group of recordings um but you know we've we've changed society's changed the right. last 30 years or whatever like right. we can have a slightly different interpretation we can do things differently like and what does and this is like an extreme example but what happens when you put every performer like in a different corner of the concert hall yeah you that's know. a that's a fun thing you um, know julius eastman did that with a uh concert yeah. he actually yeah well actually funnily enough to talk about changing venues here mm-hmm. you go so the concert started when people started to walk into the lobby okay because he just had um, four musicians, each in a corner of the lobby, mm-hmm. playing a piece that they wanted to play. Yeah, he got yeah. these people, and he was like, "Play, play a piece, play a piece," <laughs> and he just had them playing. Yeah. And it was four different pieces, four different instruments, yep. all in a corner, playing into this lobby. Okay, yeah, and that was the first piece, quote unquote, cool on the concert. Yeah, yeah, and then there was, you know. Some stuff that he had composed and yeah, yeah. Um, that that was in Buffalo. I That's think. oh, is that a Jude and Buffalo thing? No, it wasn't a Jude. And oh, Buffalo. that was the um, that was just a artist, creative it. artists, creative associates. Yeah, yep, yep. That thing, yeah, got creative it, got associates. It. Yeah, in Buffalo. That but was, I like that pre June in Buffalo, actually. Yeah, yeah. But that's a really cool concept of just a. Uh, uh, it's almost um, uh, this this uh, music festival I went to in Eau Claire, the Eau Claire's festival. Um, they start it was i don't know you can take this or leave it for what it is but um actually uh, i'll transition this into something else but they start the con the like if you get there right away at the beginning of the festival like early in the day on all the venues nobody's performing but on like they give you a program and on it it's a sound wash and it's just like it's not like quite a sign tone but it, it's just a constant drone of like yeah. And I, and I thought that was just like a really interesting idea of just like cleanse the ears of like yeah have a palate cleanser stuff, like that's an interest you know, you know I think I think what's interesting I mean just that idea kind of brought me to something like the idea of a palate cleanser for like bringing you into the concert setting which I think is yeah I mean almost always the only thing that approaches that would be tuning. <laughs> like that's like the only thing that I think like yeah. cleanses your palate, and I don't think and it's it a does. Bad one. Yeah, it does. No, it does. It like does. I think what's I think what's actually really cool about an orchestral concert is like the way that it. And like I've been to a lot of concerts, I've played in a lot of them, but like when the tuning happens, that's when everything kind of stops. The tuning happens. There's no more sound. Well, like, it's the social cue. It's yeah, the social it's, well, it's cue. The social to cue shut but the fuck it also up. Like, <laughs> but it also like does something like in my mind where i'm it's like true. now i'm in the space right like i wasn't like doing the concert but now like i've heard all this like cacophony of like yeah tuning and like get it together and like yeah like movement and, and, stuff. and that's a really 
um, interesting thing that you don't always experience with chamber groups. And yeah. I've always been like either or, but now that you mentioned that, I think I'm maybe more of a proponent of people tuning on stage before. But what about tuning uh, in between movements? Unpopular opinion. I really like it. I don't like it, but I think it's necessary. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate I've de- it. I've definitely had times where I'm like, I need to. Right. And you exactly. have to like... <laughs> I've definitely also missed the first violinist size for oh, that no. to like oh, get no. into, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, here we go, uh, roll it. Like um, um, we've mentioned Tulia before, he will tune before he will tune in between. Every he also plays effort. so aggressively though. That's like, true. That's why. Yeah, like, he has to. Yeah, like the because he's like bending pitches. Okay, like, he yeah. has to be. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy that how aggressive he can play, but also how in tune he can oh, stay. He's, it's wild, He's actually, amazing. because usually whenever I hear, I, I love aggressive players, but I know it usually comes at the cost of things just being a little out of tune, which is fine with it's, me. Like it's I, a little, um, they could even be playing in tune, but just like the aggressiveness of attack. And well, you're distorting the pitch, though. Yeah, you're you just are. distorting it, yeah, like yeah. that little bit, so it doesn't quite sit right yeah but you're right about tulio yeah it's incredible what he does oh like, yeah he's it's wild yeah he's, yeah he's just a beast of a musician yeah. um but no i we oh god um i've i've played with my handful of dreadful woodwind sections in orchestra and um, <laughs> how about and, them french and, horns though <laughs> surprisingly our horns were usually like generally on, we we had good horns at, at my undergrad which is horns bless, are always bless, touch and go they you know bless bless their souls because you know what Everyone shits on the French horn. It's a beautiful instrument, and I, mean, I give them props because they got balls, man. Because their <laughs> instrument, just because of the nature of what it is, will fuck them up. Oh yeah, one, at least one time during every concert. Like it, and it's not always their fault. It's just like it, it will happen. You Some know, of the most beautiful melodies are like horn melodies, like in Dvorak. Oh and like yeah, Wagner, yeah, just like purely like beautiful oh, melodies. God, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, which is why it's always just like if it's not. Right. Perfect. <laughs> right. It's horrible. Right. And that's right. just a cross they have to bear. Like, right. and, and I, I, I love French horn. Yep. I love them, but like, <laughs> they're, I don't know. I, Dude, I, I'm it's, sure it's... everybody's played in a group where like, you're just, that French horn's coming in and you're all going, please, <laughs> please. It's a tough instrument, man. It's so hard. Like, but the, the pressure the, is insane. But I think tuning between to... movements is, is a necessary evil um, from time to time. Yeah. And I don't really think it disrupts the music. No. I actually just like, the and the whole like, it reshapes sh- stuff. The whole shaming bit. people for clapping between movements. I also stop. I hate, I hate that culture so much. I'm like, look, if there's like, these people already probably don't come to these concerts. And then if you're going to be mad at them for doing something that they thought was appropriate, then fuck you. Like, yeah, no, no it's just dumb. Yeah. Get um, out of here. Like, I, I think, I think the thing is like, I don't know. There, there are times where I'm sure you've had this too, where you just like hear a movement and you're just like, that was amazing. Yeah. Like that right there was great. And then you three next movements are like, or like the next movement or whatever. You're like, that was fine. You're like, you hit the finale right. and you're like, I really only enjoyed the second movement. Right, right. <laughs> like, you're exactly. like, I would have clapped for the second movement, but I, I would give it a standing ovation for the second movement. Right, right, right. Yeah, Don't yeah. really care about the you, Yeah, exactly. You get past it, and it's you're like, funny. What? yeah, I, I heard that, man. Like, absolutely. Um, um, oh, another uh, interesting venue situation. Um, Northern Lights Chamber Music Institute, which is a festival I've gone to for a number of years, um, is is in uh, northern Minnesota in the Boundary Waters. Right. And uh, it's typically, it used to be at a uh, YMCA camp. So we were all staying in like cabins. Mm -hmm. And 
playing music in like right inside of nature. Like we'd play outside, right. practice outside, rehearse in these cabins, mm-hmm. very different feel than like a conservatory or something like that, where you're playing in very sterile environment. Kind right. Of thing. right. Right. Um, and then we would always do our first performance. Wasn't really a performance. We always, it was always like a tune up kind of a thing. Right. Right. Where we'd play for the people at like, the camp. Like we've been working on this. Here's what we have so far. Yeah. And yeah. we will be, we'll be go to the, because we're not the only people at this camp at the time. There's family camp. There are like, Oh, people sure. around. Oh, wonderful. And we've been interacting with them the whole week. Mm-hmm. And so the first concert we would do would be for that. Cool. And it was actually funny because it was in the, um, it would be in like their hall, which is where we would eat our meals. Mm. Um, it was actually in kind of that like three sided yeah. setting that you were talking about yeah, earlier. The, the, just, the basketball I, arena. Yeah, the, yeah. The, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. We'd be like in front of this like big stone fireplace. Yeah. And we'd be like, I can literally picture ha- like Northwoods, Minnesota cabin. Yeah, I cabin know, in the woods. Like, I know exactly yeah, what you're and we're, talking about. And we're playing <laughs> for these people. And it's a really interesting environment because like, one, you're performing for your peers, but two, you're also performing for people who don't like do classical music, right? Right. And like, really, only have found out about it like because you're there this week, right? <laughs> and so it's it's an interesting it's that combination, whole, like stumbling upon, yeah. like pretty much. It's that yeah, it's that's exactly that's that. like a perfect synthesis of what we we're talking about. Of like some of my favorite concerts, like unconventional setting, um, atypical audience. Um, and a chance to like, you know, maybe you'll enjoy this, maybe you won't, but like, here's what we're doing. You can leave. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a long concert. I don't, I don't think we ever had. <laughs> I think by the end of those concerts, because those were long, because they're festival concerts, right, so you right. have like two hours or something, right. yeah. and you lose probably like thirty to fifty percent of the audience. Oh yeah, because like it's late, like. Yep. you're at camp like you're kind of more used to like going with the vibe of like the sun yep yep <laughs> and so when the sun sets like i mean we're in northern minnesota so it probably doesn't set in, in august so i mean yeah. like eight eight o'clock but then like you know there's probably another hour of that concert mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. like you're on kind of a different timetable people just go they yeah. go to sleep um which is fine. I never cared much. I don't think that. concerts should last more than an hour anyways. An like, hour and a half is my limit. Oh, yeah. Like, if it goes beyond... Unless it's an opera, then that's, you get breaks. And Operas whatever. are different. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story. Operas are a different beast, though. Like, I remember going to operas in Milan. And you go to at La Scala. And it's a 30-minute act break. Oh. For three acts. Oh. And you know Why? Because you have to empty that whole building out for everyone to grab a smoke, and then everyone goes back in. <laughs> I swear, it's that that whole building empties. That's so funny. And then it goes back. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, thirty minutes. Did so they like, did they have intermissions when we saw Tosca in Trieste? Yeah. Okay, I, I just can't remember. I remember because I would go around the side of the building and see the pit musicians. <laughs> there you go. It was nice. fun. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, that's just kind of a funny aspect yeah. of being a pit musician. You're just yeah. like, hey, we're going to take a smoke break. Yep. Like, yep. Great. Yep. Good yep. job, guys. <laughs> Good job. Um, I, used to, I used to smoke a lot more when I, um, by a lot more, I mean any because I don't really smoke anymore, but... Um, when I was, when I was doing pit stuff, not only, not necessarily because I wanted to, but everybody else in the pit was doing it. I was like, it's well, a weird, it's like working in a bar where like everybody smokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just like, I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah. And like you don't for a little while and then you just kind of like fall into it because of social things and you're just like, 
what if I had a nicotine buzz right now? Uh. I'm tired. <laughs> like, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, we can... Who knows? I, I, I don't know. So I, I think we've t- good, done a good job of like touching on why maybe non-traditional venues are a good thing. It gives... Um, it's a variety. Yeah. Spice of life. Yeah, yeah. More of it is good. But it, I think it benefits both the performers and the um, um, audience greatly. Yeah. To- well, I think also a lot, of, a lot more performers now are open to it mm-hmm. than I think were. A lot of people in our generation, even a little bit older, are much more trying to push for alternative venues mm-hmm. or try at, from like the performing but side, like, which I, is, which is big because like, yeah, they, and they're doing it for like good reasons. I think like to try and get that interaction we're talking about. Right. Um, the, and I, it's just, I, I think new, I think new music groups and groups that are like young are hip with it and they're doing it right. But I see like, um, CSO and like the Met, not the Met, the Lyric, and like all these other more like established professional groups trying to do this, but like still have these ties to like, oh, but we need to be in a concert hall. Yeah. And it's, it's they, like, they're it's taking very, their baggage with them. Right. It's packing a, it up and going. And I don't know if that's the performers or the administration, probably both. It's just like very clear that they don't want to like leave this, <laughs> you know, this environment. Yeah. I mean, knowing musicians in the CSO, I've. <laughs> I, I'd put a fair amount of that on their feet. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, also that administrati- administration is superly, super artistically conservative yes. because they... Money. Uh, yeah, money. <laughs> they, operate, <laughs> they operate a top orchestra in the world. Like, yeah. they they are... A world-class... Programmatically yeah, 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 yeah. conservative because that's what gets people in the door and money in the pockets. Right, right. You know, that... <laughs> But what they but there's but what kills me is and maybe this is the 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 true synthesis of like a lot of stuff we've been talking about recently is like I feel like they're so short sighted that if they were to do more I don't want to call it outreach because that's not accurate but if they were to do more yeah unco- outreach is a separate <laughs> right right if they were to do more unconventional performances it would reach a larger population of people which would then encourage said larger population of people to maybe go to a concert at Symphony Center or maybe not but then keep on doing these other like unconventional concerts yeah. you know like i don't know man like it, it's, it is short sighted i think also one of the weird things is that um and i don't i, run, know, I know in some yeah. of my conversations uh, <laughs> that daniel Berenbaum was very when he was artistic yeah. director of the CSO would always push for having like Elliot Carter on the program yeah and now i love Elliot Carter Maybe not the best composer to be doing to try and get people interested in new music. It's, it's dense. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. I love it, but like there's other things. Oh yeah. Like you can't just be like keep doing Elliot Carter and be like, why aren't more people coming to do music <laughs> concerts when you're doing a ton of Elliot Carter? Right. That's great. It's yep. really cool to hear the CSO do Elliot Carter. But I bet the musicians hate it. Oh, I cannot. Well, also, I bet they just love I know, it. <laughs> I know people in that orchestra who have referred to when Daniel Perrin was director as the Dark Days. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> big oof on that just, one. Just, <laughs> I love that oof. Big oof on that one. Well played. Well played person um, making six figures. <laughs> 
I think we'll wrap this up mm-hmm. by maybe just listing a few um, places in Chicago specifically where like um, uh, new music, classical music is happening. And it's not necessarily places where you might thought or they they are venues and they mostly promote like new music or like performance art or experimental yeah. stuff. Um, the first one on this uh, list is ESS Experimental Sound Studios. I'm right in the Ravenswood neighborhood. Um, they're great. They do a wonderful job of... Um, they, they do artist residency stuff, and they, they do a great job of promoting new works. Um, I can only hope to have my works premiered there someday. I'm sure it will happen, but um, I big shout-out to them. They do a great job. Um, Next one is Elastic Arts. Yep. Which is... I'm not entirely sure what neighborhood they're in. I'm trying you don't to, have to. They're kind of over by Avondale. Um, if that's, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but they're, they're a really interesting space. They, they do some classical stuff. They do a lot of just like experimental music, kind of like having mm-hmm. dance music in this space. It's a BYOB space. Awesome. That's um, great. They've got a, they've got a mini fridge. Um, <laughs> they're, they're really cool. They do a lot of like diverse programming. There's awesome. just a lot of different stuff going on there. Like, and I think that's. Ha- great because it gets a diverse audience in there too yeah so like gets... i was i was told about it by a, a co-worker of mine mm. who doesn't like do classical music he does like kind of synthy rock cool um you know some sound manipulation yeah but like yeah. in a standard kind of like four-piece band type setup oh interesting um, okay yeah, but, yeah. and like it's 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 interesting like he does like super cool stuff i think and like but that's like where that scene yeah, is. yeah that's where of... and like he knew about them and then he was like oh there's gonna be this like classical music act there doing some stuff like he told me about it okay and like that it's just fun that there's a place where like they have all of these different styles going cool. on and it's uh it's definitely a a place that has like different audiences and i think they are doing online concerts at the moment oh yeah i don't know if that'll a lot of these places are doing them. like st- live streams and yeah stuff like so that. definitely check check any live streams check any of them out and if they have a donation thing give like a five bucks or something it it does like it does help like i know um as we're recording this it's on like Bandcamp friday and i reach out to like all my friends i'm like because everyone's posting their like spotify like top 100 or whatever and i'm like find your like top three or whatever like and i don't even care if they're like big if they have a band camp go give them like go buy an album of theirs or like whatever because spotify doesn't give them shit yeah, like, you can you know. like streaming like as convenient as it is for us like really doesn't help artists. Right. So buy so, albums like, when you can, yeah. buy merch when you can. You know. Always. Yeah, merch is huge. Yep. Buying merch really helps band out. Yep. Um, uh, another venue, um, which I'm a proponent of, is Sleeping Village. They don't do as much classical stuff. They do a lot of like experimental things, and it's kind of cool because it's like I've seen some like uh, experimental groups like open up their. Um, uh, for like uh, another band but it's like electronic and like more like modular synthesis stuff and like it's really cool though it's like a nice intimate and they have a, a kick in uh, beer menu too so that's always a plus <laughs> always a plus yeah absolutely um, yeah I mean just like any um, bars cafes that uh, people are if you are a musician and you know you you're tired of or sorry if you're a classical musician and you're tired of performing in like stuffy concert halls reach out to your like cafes re- yeah. reach out especially vocalists oh my god it's so easy to like convince um <laughs> like coffee shops or like cafes to be like hey i want to do a set of like art songs this night yeah. I'll, I'll bring in a bunch of friends they'll be super supportive they'll buy stuff any owner will eat that up 
like oh, yeah, you know, love that. yeah, that's um, that's yeah, and also just like check out if you're not a musician, just like check out bars and cafes and just like any small venue in your area just to see what music is going on. Yeah, some of it will probably be classical, a lot of it won't be, which is yep. fun because yep. maybe you'll find some place to go see music that you didn't before, right? Like, and those small venues are super, super fun to go to and super interesting and even if you're like a classical musician and you go to these places and you see some like singer songwriter do a thing and be like hey i play viola i really want to you know perform i want you know like the best thing you can do is learn their songs and then if you want to play with them like if that's the route you want to go but like that's you know that's that's a really cool way to like make a connection and like try something out that you might not be comfortable with in an environment that is very um forgiving for lack of better this the stakes are very low you know and like a a (laughs) very that is true Um, (laughs) uh, on that note also i mean just like going to places and like if they have music you know, a number of nights, they're usually open to having music. Yeah. So ask them if you can play, yeah. like yeah. say like all open or like I'll do something. Right. If you have friends. It helps if you have like a demo or like a website or like a little something with your music. So they know that like you're yeah. not just being going to go up there and make like garbage, garbage sound. Screeches. Yeah. Or just like crying in the microphone for like five minutes. But like that's stand up. That's a different <laughs> <laughs> different different art truthfully that. truthfully um but yeah um go out and explore performance spaces break the bounds um some concert culture i don't know if we'll ever be able to get rid of but i think it's it's good to actively go against it sometimes and you know um really just try and push the limits yeah being being different is sometimes fun (laughs) oftentimes it is so uh go out there do some stuff absolutely stay hydrated bye